everyone. Welcome to our podcast, Real Window Rewatching Random Movies from Our Childhood. I'm Lisa. And I'm Pauline. And welcome back to another episode. We are going to be talking about a movie that is very dear to our hearts and which we loved watching as kids and we're both very excited. If you haven't listened to the podcast before, welcome. But also, uh, this is a podcast where we're going to be first doing a bunch of trivia on the movie. Pauline's going to be giving that to us this episode because it was her pick for the movie this week. And then we're going to go through a bunch of questions that we always ask every time we rewatch a random movie from our childhood. So without further ado, Pauline, would you like to talk about the movie we watched? I would love to talk about this movie that we watched. So Mm -hmm. everyone, the movie that we watched is Three Men and a Baby. Uh, So this movie came out in 1987 and if you didn't listen uh, i'll just briefly discuss a couple of points mentioned in the trivia note from last week uh this movie what came out in 1987 and it was the highest grossing movie in the u.s in 1987 which i think is quite a remarkable oh totally feat like i just feel like that's a really amazing for a comedy movie for a movie mm-hmm. about about three men and a baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very self-explanatory title. You've got to give them props for being but like, also... this is exactly what this movie is. <laughs> right? Okay, so this is exactly what this movie is. So it's based actually on a French version of this film that mm. was filmed, you know, a couple years prior. Um, all of the plot points stay the same, everything like that. So I'll give a brief summary of the plot of this movie. So it's uh, about three men and a baby. <laughs> In case you haven't figured that out yet. How many times can we say that during the podcast? Right. Because the basic summary is like, if someone's like, what's that movie about? And I'm like, well, it's three men and a baby. (laughs) That's all you need to know. Okay. But in all seriousness, so it's three bachelors, uh, Tom Selleck, Ted Danson, and Steve Gutenberg, who was at like the peak of his career in the 80s. So like, (laughs) now we laugh about Steve Gutenberg, I think. There's, uh, you know, jokes about about uh, him and Stonecutters episodes mm-hmm. of The Simpsons, and it's amazing. But he actually was a really big star at this point in time. Um, so it's the three of them living in a beautiful apartment in New York, which actually is filmed in Toronto. Um, but, <laughs> right? But it's like, no, it doesn't matter. Know, it's a big amazing. city. Yeah, it doesn't awesome. matter. So it's filmed in Toronto because obviously Canadians were, <laughs> were cheaper. Um, but the, <laughs> the movie itself, three of them living together and you just see this host of women kind of coming and going and they're living their lives and they're three good looking dudes. Um, And then suddenly a baby lands on the doorstep and it kind of throws a curveball and everything. Uh, What ends up happening is this baby's left on their doorstep and it is the love child between Ted Danson's character, Jack, who's an actor who happens to be away when this baby gets delivered uh, on his his doorstep, not delivered, (laughs) delivered, but that's a different, so delivered on the doorstep, he's gone. (laughs) Uh, and the mom is nowhere around. Her name is Sylvia, and she just pieces out and just leaves this baby. And so uh, Tom Selleck's character, Peter, and then Steve Gutenberg's character, Michael, they have to deal with this baby until Jack gets home. In the meantime, there is a subplot of miscommunication and misunderstanding where Jack thinks a package is supposed to be delivered that week from his buddy that's getting picked up in a couple of days tells the roommates about it and uh what they don't know is that the actual package which they think is the baby 
is a package of heroin that now yep. gets these men entangled in a drug situation with the cops as more of a subplot than anything. The main plot is obviously the baby and these, these men essentially falling in love. Uh, and then, and then from there, as you may imagine, in a comedy in the eighties, everything gets resolved and it ties up with a nice little package. <laughs> Everything's tied up in a neat, with a neat little bow. Exactly. So uh, that's the general synopsis. Now, obviously, as Lisa and I talk, we're going to be giving away spoilers. So if you haven't seen the movie and and you want to see the movie based on that amazing summary that I just gave you. It's so good. So good. Stop this. Thank you. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Yes. So stop the podcast now. Go watch it and then come back and listen. Uh, (laughs) Or if you don't want to do that, you've already seen it. Or you don't want to do that because you don't want to see it. Just listen. Yeah, continue on. Carry on, people. Right. You are Carry doing on. what you need Carry to do. Carry on my wayward son. <laughs> okay. I thought it. I didn't sing it, but I love it well, that you did. You're, you're welcome. It's yeah. too bad, everyone, because Lisa sings better than I do. Okay. <laughs> so I'm just going to do a little bit of trivia just because we had the trivia sold last week. There's just a couple of little things um, that I thought were kind of interesting little tidbits. So I've already mentioned that it was the top grossing movie in the U.S. in 1987. Mm-hmm. This is a pretty big year. So overall, it's actually the number four top grossing movie of 1987. There are three movies that were above it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So trivia for these movies. So the third movie is, um, as you may imagine, a 1987 movie. Um, This movie stars a few different mostly male leads, which I feel like is just a given in the 80s. You should just assume it. Really, I think you really should be surprised when it's not, but assume otherwise. Exactly. So it's a wartime movie, if that's going to help. Okay. And it's got Charlie Sheen Mm -hmm. and Willem Dafoe. It's got Johnny Depp and Kevin Dillon. Yeah. And it's got Forrest Whitaker. It was actually the winner of Best Picture that year at the Oscars. Was it Platoon? Yeah! Oh uh, my gosh, I, look picture, at you. I suddenly remembered William Willem Dafoe having a very iconic moment that is sort of was turned into the poster, I think, and like and, and mm. into like everything. So that's why my brain clicked. I'm like, wait, 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 Willem Dafoe, now it's clicking. But okay, Got platoon, it. platoon. That makes okay. sense. So, so that, that would was, be number three. So that was number three. The number two grossing movie is one that you'll know. We mm. didn't really watch it as kids, but we know we know this movie. So this okay. is a movie. That has, I don't want to give all the actors away <laughs> right away, but um, it's a love affair. Okay. A man has a one night stand. I shouldn't say it's a love affair. It's a man has a one night stand and he's married. Okay. And the woman that he has a one night stand with is crazy. The man is Michael Douglas. Oh, and is Glenn Close in this one? Correct. Yes. yes. Can you think of the name of this movie? Is it Fatal Attraction? You know it. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Okay, Which, so that was again. Yeah, I have. We didn't watch, yeah. obviously, but um, I watched it when I was older. I didn't watch it. I we think I've seen we kids, clips obviously. of it, but I don't think I've ever actually watched it from start to finish. But I know enough of the plot points that I've also like. I feel like I know the story from pop culture that I've really right. felt yes. inclined to watch it because yes. I already know how it goes. But right. okay, that makes sense. Okay. Be, so what beat that out? Because I know those that one right. would have been They're a big huge. blockbuster. They're huge. Both of those. Okay. Yeah. So this one's going to be a trickier one for me to give you hints because I feel like as soon as you know the main actor you're gonna know who it is so number one movie is a sequel to an earlier very popular movie about a cop one of the guys in this movie and again 
we didn't watch this when we were growing up, but uh, Paul Guilfoyle, who actually is the bad guy in Three Men and a Baby, yes, is actually in this ca- in this popped movie. Popped up again. Okay. Yes. Look at look at that. We didn't even really know what his name until last week, really. And then now look and at now us. Now it's everywhere. Okay. Sequel movie about a cop in an L.A. area. Is it Eddie Murphy? Oh, Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. Oh, I really like that you went with a totally different cop. Well, because you were emphasizing cop, and I'm like, 80s cop. What? Yeah. Dirty Harry, though, that's a really good guess. That's a really. I was trying to. I was before you got to the actor. I'm like, maybe I can guess it because you. Because you, it, it's one cop, so and we didn't watch it, so it wasn't going to be Lethal Weapon. And I'm like, okay, where are we at with this one? Lethal Weapon actually was number eight on the, the movies of '87. So get this: Three Men and a Baby beat out Lethal gross Weapon. More money than Lethal Weapon. Uh, Dirty Dancing was the same year. La Bamba, oh. RoboCop. What? Um, it beat out RoboCop. Well, Living I mean, Daylights. Predator, oh, wow. Witches of Eastwick, like this Secret of My That's Success. I don't know if you very, remember that one. Yes, yeah, but, yeah. This is a huge okay. year. It's a big year. So the number four movie is Three Men and a Baby. Can you guess what the number five movie is? I haven't mentioned it. It's the one that's just below this one in in total U.S. gross or total gross. Sorry, it's a movie we've already done on the podcast. Now my brain's like, do we remember the years of the other <laughs> on the podcast? I'm going to guess Untouchables. Yeah. Yeah. So wow, three and a baby three gross and baby. more than the Untouchables, which Proof is insanity. The humor of watching three men raise a small baby incompetently oh. uh, really does hammer home to a lot of people. Man, and provide people plenty really, of really love this movie. That's so um, funny. So Amazing. the last little bit of trivia we'll talk about for anyone who doesn't know uh, who the director is of this movie. Mm. Uh, Lisa, do you want to tell everyone that, uh, <laughs> who may not have listened to the trivia so last week who directed this movie? And I... explain a little bit about why I'm getting you to do it. <laughs> so if you didn't listen to the trivia episode, go back and listen to it, first of all. But um, Paul, the, the director is Leonard Nimoy, who... I love, and Pauline did not realize how much I love Leonard Nimoy until as we were getting ready for the trivia sode, Pauline actually requested that I not watch the movie before we recorded the trivia sode episode because she thought it would be more entertaining that way and less likely that I would get um, a lot of the answers to the questions. But she texted me out of the blue. She's like, also, do you know who directed it? Thinking, of course, that I would not, and that could be in the trivia sode, but I immediately texted back Leonard Nimoy, and she was like, what? How do you know that? And I said, because I love Leonard Nimoy. So if you listen to the trivia sode, I get all of the questions about Leonard Nimoy right, even the really weird ones, and it makes my heart really, really happy um, to talk (laughs) about him in any capacity, because I just think he was amazing, and he he made me very happy as a kid. Which is funny. Star Trekker, and I just, well, yeah. Not that that's hard. Everyone loves Spock. I was going to say, everyone loves Spock, but did we, like, like, what's crazy to me about this is, like, I don't even know, when did your love of him begin? Like, did you watch... The voyage home, and you were like, <laughs> "I love this man." Like this grew, man is like, now someone I want okay, to be friends with. I also feel like I need to let everyone understand something about Lisa. When we were little, and we owned VHS tapes mm-hmm. of all of the movies, like basically ever, we had so many movies. Yes. And Lisa and I, who are a year apart, we would, we would 
if we're like, okay, we're going to watch a movie. I pick 10, you pick 10, and then we each narrow them down. Until we Lisa's got to our ones. throwing yeah. in... Lisa's throwing in shit like Ben-Hur <laughs> and like the Ten Commandments yes. and like The Great Escape. And don't yeah. get me wrong, those are three very epic, very amazing old-timey movies. And we're going to talk about those, I'm sure, in other episodes. But yeah. five-year-old Pauline was like... <laughs> Why would I want to watch The Great Escape? <laughs> what are we doing here? What? Especially because they I'm thinking like two VHS. Like they're so long. Yeah, they're they so long. Two VHS they couldn't fit long. the movie on an entire VHS. They had used two. And I was like, why would I spend three hours of my very short life watching these movies? Lisa's favorite character was Yul Brenner. Yes. And he, she loved him as an actor in movies. Now, you couldn't pull a hundred people younger <laughs> than 40 and have half of them know who Yul Brenner is. You True. couldn't pull a hundred people under the age of 40 and maybe even have 25 of them know who he is. <laughs> like it's, and I know him so well. <laughs> I trained you. I trained so anyway, you to know Yul what, Brenner. What was it about Leonard so, Nimoy, Lisa? So Leonard Nimoy, it was because it, it, it started with Spock. It started with The Journey Home. I loved how intelligent and yet empathetic and understanding he was for all that he, he was supposedly coming across strictly as logical. To me, he was the most empathetic cast member and character. And I really connected to him. I am also a nerd who has a lot of joy in learning trivia and facts and his logic appealed to me but I think what helped it too is not only did I grow to love him because of Mr. Spock as a character I also was a, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings nerd and so was Leonard Nimoy he was also a <laughs> hobbit nerd he actually recorded a hilariously random song about Bilbo Baggins if you've never heard it YouTube it after this video because I can assure you even if you don't enjoy it, you're going to enjoy the video because it's very 70s um, and when I found that out like just the more I learned about him in bits and pieces here and there the more I grew to really respect and love him so I just was like I want to learn everything I can about this man and loved seeing him interviewed I was so happy when he returned to the role of Spock for the new Star Trek films it brought me such joy I, I genuinely I think that's where it started I think it was just this a this love as a child for seeing this compassionate, logical character brought so fully to life and so consistently. Um, I think that's where it started, yeah. At the age of six. At the age of six. And I was so good. I could recognize him when he was a voice actor. When he was in Page Master, even as a child, I knew that was Spock when he played Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And I knew it was him again when he was in Atlantis, The Lo uh, Lost Empire. That's right. Uh, he played the king. He played yes. the king. So I, I would always get very happy to even just hear his voice. So, yeah. <laughs> what can okay. I say? I'm such a nerd. So, <laughs> so anyway, so that's, that's all the trivia that we've got. If you want more trivia, listen to the trivia. So it's funny. It's really great. Mm. Um, so Lisa and I are going to talk about the usual questions that we've got uh, for this movie. And um, the first one that we generally tend to start with uh, is... Um, takeaways as a kid yep uh things you may have understood or not understood or misunderstood and then are they accurate are those takeaways of the movie accurate to what they're trying to convey in the story lisa mm -hmm. oh you flipped it i get to go first Ooh. um so 
for me. Oh, wait. Is yeah. it the other way around? It is. Oh, I was okay. waiting. I was like, she doesn't, Sorry. she doesn't remember. It's cool. You, Sorry. Can, you can drive this bus. I'm enjoying no, no, no. the ride. No, 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 no. <laughs> you can drive this you know bus. What? You can drive this question and I'll do uh, the subsequent questions. I'm totally fine with that. No, no, um, no. We can yeah. do it the other way around. <laughs> we'll do it the normal way. Well, I'm going to edit this out. <laughs> I don't know. I think you oh, should leave shit. it. It makes me so happy that this happened again. Um, uh, okay. Sorry, so, everyone. No worries. So, Pauline, I have a question yes. for you. <laughs> yes. Go yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it mm-hmm. might surprise you, but mm-hmm. my question is, um, <laughs> what were your thoughts as a child versus your thoughts as mm-hmm. an adult when you rewatched this film? Yeah, I know you weren't expecting this, but do you mm. have some thoughts on that? Well, you caught me off guard. Let me think. <laughs> um, okay. So, honestly, this movie... I thought as a kid was so funny. Like it was, there were so many scenes in this movie that I remember just cracking myself up at. Oh, I thought they totally. were so funny. It was the the second layer of innuendo that was usually lost on me. The, totally. the subtle, the subtleties of the two, the three guys back and forth or the two guys back and forth. I just remember thinking as a kid, like, so there's a scene when Peter and Michael are, um, they have the baby they're like, what the heck do we do with it? Mm-hmm. And um, one of them's gone out to the store to go pick up baby food, which is already funny. Like, they're getting Just diapers. hilarious. Yeah. Doesn't understand the sizes. And I remember thinking, like, they're so silly. They don't know anything about babies. Like, that's <laughs> so ridiculous. silly. Yeah. What silly guys they are. And so then there's this <laughs> scene where they're trying to change the baby's diaper. And it's... I remember just thinking it's so funny. And obviously as a kid, there's like poo, there's pee, yes, the pee gets on the couch. It's like, all the body humor oh, that you could ever like, want. Yeah. Totally. It's like everything about about bodies that as a five-year-old you think is so funny. <laughs> it happens in this scene. And so I remember just killing myself laughing. And yes. as an adult watching this scene, it's so funny. One of the things that uh in the trivia that i was reading about about the movie is the surprise that most of the critics had about how how good the comedic timing was for yes. all three of the actors yeah. like roger ebert was like you don't know that tom Selleck has these good one-liners until you watch this movie and then he talks actually about how this scene just builds and builds and builds yes. it's just one laughter after another after another and it's so funny I actually don't even want to say too much about it because if you haven't seen the scene yes I don't want to ruin it but it it's just this scene where it's two useless guys not knowing how to change a diaper and it's everything you think it would be when you're watching it and it's okay. so funny yeah totally so that as a kid, I remember laughing about, but I didn't get obviously the innuendos. Like obviously as a kid, so the beginning of the movie starts. There's a birthday party for Peter. I yeah. don't understand the interactions with the women at the party. They're mm-hmm. obviously all flirting. There's this uh, one moment where um, so Peter has a, a semi-serious girlfriend that they're like not exclusively dating or whatever. Her name's Rebecca, mm-hmm. and um, there's a woman shown asking peter oh so are you and rebecca like you seeing other people or whatever and he's like yeah yeah we see other people and she's like cool call me he's like okay great and then they like part ways and then a guy asked peter he's like so rebecca looks great tonight so are you guys seeing other people he's like no we're pretty we're pretty serious we're pretty uh pretty exclusive (laughs) and then just like as a kid i was like 
oh, I didn't get what he did there. That did, that obviously would not because obviously as a kid, I'm like, what's totally. exclusive mean? <laughs> totally. So why that's... why wouldn't they? What do they mean by seeing other people? Yeah. There's so many people at the party. They see so many. Um, yeah. <laughs> totally. Exactly. Exactly. So that was like those little things. And I remember there's a scene at that party. So at the party, it opens with Steve Gutenberg and he's got this camera and he's, he's filming everybody and he's mm. doing this sweet uh, uh, accent and he's impersonating... I think it's a character from this time period, but I, it's lost on me. I don't know if you know who I it is, I think Lisa. it was from Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. There was like a right. host who would go through the house and he was mimicking that. Because um, he calls them something he calls else. It like, Lifestyles of the... Of the... I, I think it was he... poor and tired or something like that, or, a, yeah. or or abysmally average or something along those lines, which just made me laugh as an right. adult watching. I'm like, <laughs> right. you were in a huge penthouse surrounded by beautiful people with amazing totally. like wine and champagne, and you are not lifestyles of the, the rich and famous. I know. I'm like, I just, okay. Um, so, but he asks Rebecca, he's like, Rebecca, and he's asking her questions about Peter, and, and she... She basically is just like, he has the most amazing. And she's saying this as she walks up to him and then like grabs his unit. And he's like, oh, thank you, Rebecca. And then walks away or whatever. And I specifically remember as a kid turning to dad and being like, what? What is? What's the best? Like, what? What's amazing? (laughs) Explain it. And dad was like, uh, dad was laughing, but like couldn't answer. So he just was like, I don't know. And I was like, okay. And like as a kid, you just let it go. But I love you just that you sit there just and let it like, go. That's awesome. Yeah, well, because I, I knew I wouldn't get an answer. Like, I knew I wasn't going to get it. <laughs> so I was like, well, I got to keep watching. But I, rem- I remember the moment and dad's sitting there with his arm crossed and he's just kind of like, now in hindsight, he's like, I don't want to answer this question. So <laughs> I'm just going to uh, divert your attention elsewhere, child. Yeah, yeah. Look, look, they're bringing out a yeah. birthday cake. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, check it out. Check out that giant thing um, that's on there. Right, right, exactly. Okay, so there's another scene. So there's quite a few things. So the drug angle I got but didn't really get. There's like mm. an exchange that's happening and I don't understand what's, what what heroin is. Like, I, I rem- I'm sure I had to ask someone, like, what's heroin? And I'm sure JM was like, drugs, Pauline, gosh. And, you know, we moved along in her, from there. In her patient trademark yeah. way. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so you do. I'm sure that that's how that went. And so, um, you know, obviously that angle, there's the scene where they, so for those who haven't seen it again, the guys think that the package quote unquote that's getting picked up is the baby. They've just kind of overlooked this other package that subtly got delivered in the middle of like this crying child that they just didn't have time to deal with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So these two guys show up to collect this package and they're giving, the guys are giving them a baby with powdered milk. And the guys are like, are you sure we're taking the baby with us? And it's like, that was the arrangement. And it's like, and they're okay. like, because they got excited. As soon as they say powdered milk, they're like, ah, oh, Bob, right. powdered milk. milk. We'll yeah, take yeah. the powdered milk. And they're like, yeah, yeah. With the baby, like putting yeah. the powdered milk in with the baby. And they're like, uh, what yeah. are you doing? Exactly. So that <laughs> I understood they were bad guys. I knew mm. that they weren't good. I just, I, the little, like the powdered milk reference, I obviously don't get. And I, I didn't understand why they gave the baby. <laughs> I was like, what's <laughs> happening? Just giving a baby away to bad horrible child well, to clearly not nice Bad people. guys. Well, because by this point in my brain, someone's already been like, they're bad. And I'm like, oh, okay. Why are they giving a baby to a bad guy? This doesn't make sense. <laughs> so like, you know how it is. No one explains the plot questions. thoroughly. <laughs> right? I already had questions. Gosh, I feel like this podcast is just me explaining what my questions were as a child <laughs> just getting poorly answered 
orientation and just confusing answers, me like further <laughs> and I was like okay or very like bare basic answers of it's this yeah and, and then I interpret them that like just a completely other question <laughs> right <laughs> I was like now I'm more confused <laughs> so anyway uh then then okay, I'll stop with um just like uh one more mm. thing um when so this was an interesting scene and as an adult I was like oh that's really funny that that was where my brain was so there's this scene where where Peter's losing it and he is now he, he can't get the baby to eat or he's feeding her all the time etc cetera, etc cetera. and he calls up his like semi girlfriend Rebecca who's actually on a date with a cellist they're about to go to the the symphony and He's from, I don't remember what country he's from, but he speaks broken English and he's quite funny and he's quite sweet and Peter's just a jerk to him. But it's funny because he calls up Rebecca to be like, okay, I've got questions. And he's got these questions and he's asking her these questions and she's just like, he's like, it's an emergency. And she shows up and she's like, what's the emergency? And it's a baby. And she's like, it's a baby. And he's like, why does everyone say that? Yes, it's a baby. And he's all flustered and upset and he Mm -hmm. wants her to answer these questions and she's like, well, why are you asking me? And he's like, because you're a woman. And she's like, yes. that, that doesn't mean I know anything about babies. And then he's like, stay with me. And she's like, no, I have a date. And, and they agreed to see other people. I get to go. Totally. Yeah. Bye. And she leaves. And I remember as a kid being like, well, that wasn't very nice that she didn't help. And as an adult, <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, fuck you, buddy. Like, see, good luck with the baby. You're now totally. You're on your You're own. on your own. Godspeed. And then the Vulcan symbol, obviously, tribute Always. to Leonard Nimoy Always. as you leave. So anyway, I remember just as a moment, I was like, oh, I remember as a kid, I didn't love Rebecca. And now... As an adult, I'm like, oh no, I got a lot more respect for Rebecca as a woman. I'm <laughs> totally, like, yeah, totally. She gets she gets to sleep with Tom Selleck when she wants, and then she gets to peace out when she doesn't. I was like, this is a brilliant arrangement. She knows what's up, and he's she an architect in the movie. Like in he my head, I'm like, yes, good job, Rebecca. Yeah, she did um, well for herself. That was mostly mostly what I like didn't get, but mm. my takeaway, like obviously, is like by the end of the movie, all three of the men are smitten. It's very sweet. There's this love story that's developed. They all have figured it out by the end of the movie, what they need to do and how to do it. And it's this very, like, you see them growing and they're maturing. And it's, and it's they really, really care so much for they love baby. her. They love and it, Mary. And it is a love story. And I think that's really cute. Like, I think that's the sweet thing about it is that it's like, it's a love story. It's just not a love story the way that we think of love stories it's like mm-hmm. no these are three men who genuinely love how this little baby has come in and changed their lives like completely totally and it's just really it's just really sweet tugs at the heartstrings you know yeah it absolutely okay. does it's a very what about charming you, story oh um, so charming a lot of the same stuff so i would say it is very fascinating to know that this was probably the first film that introduced me to the concept of an on-again, off-again relationship or an open relationship where two people very clearly care about each other, but also agree that they are allowed to see other people as a choice. And I remember as a kid, I didn't dislike Rebecca the way that you did. I remember really liking her and hoping her and Tom Selleck spent more time together. I don't know why, but I found her, I, I liked how practical she was, I think. Mm. Um, I did not like the cellist just because I was like, he doesn't seem as nice or as good right. looking. He He's not like Tom step, Selleck. He seems like a step down from Tom Selleck. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> I think most men most people would probably would yeah, feel, well, most that, men way, would feel that way. It's hard to compare. Yeah. 
Um, the drug angle, again, like you, I got most of it. Like I understood that they had drugs. I actually didn't get that Jack's buddy who works in television, who's the one who gives him, is the one who, like I, I really didn't connect that he was the, mm. the heroin dealer. Mm-mm, I kind mm-mm. of assumed he also didn't know and and didn't quite oh. pick up on in the film oh. that he actually was a big part. I think because he was off screen so much, you only really saw the drug dealers and you saw yeah. and you saw Ted Danson. You briefly see this friend, and I think I was focusing so much on the rest of the party. My my brain just didn't wasn't interested in Ted Danson talking to this other guy. Like I just it it was not a conversation that mattered to me. I was like, eh, hey, yeah, whatever. Right. Let's get back right. to. The right, more right, important right. stuff happening right. about the birthday no. party. I, I legit, I completely I agree. About no. This yeah. drug deal discussion. As I got <clears throat> older, I clued in. But the first right. few times I watched it, that one was I, I didn't. Um, I found I didn't like as a kid. So there is this detective who happens to. So as Pauline said, the drug dealers are given the baby with the powdered milk, which is actually powdered milk. And they have gone downstairs and the two of them are trying to figure out what they're going to do with the baby. They have this ridiculous tiny car that's a two-seater convertible and they're trying to figure out how they're going to take a baby with them. <laughs> Which, now as an adult, I'm like, this is horrifying. But at the time, as a kid, I was like, they don't know what they're doing. They I know, and again, it's, it's funny to kids for a different reason. It's like totally, silly. It's totally. like you're watching and you're like, that's so silly. They can't put a baby in the trunk. That's like, silly. Oh, when they and say that, because one of the drug dealers does say that. It's like, you just put her yeah. in the trunk. And one starts to and then goes, I can't put a baby in the trunk. Why do I listen to you? And I'm like, good way to think that through. But um, <laughs> this other pol- this police officer who's on a horse happens to see them. Uh, because they get into an argument because Tom Selleck has clued in that, oh, my God, there's a different package. We've given them a baby. I got to swap <laughs> this. And he runs down the stairs to make this swap, which as an adult, I'm also like, there should have been more questions asked here. But anyway, uh. the movie is hilarious. But he, he gets there and he's trying to explain to them, I've given you the wrong package, but they are convinced the powdered milk is the drugs. So they're like both holding on to the baby bassinet and they're both like arguing and this cop on a horse comes and tries to figure out what's going on and the two of them so as a result they the guy lets tom Selleck have the baby steals the powdered milk hops in the port and like whatever little tiny car it is and they drive away before the cop can do anything so then he gets right. tom Selleck, to, you know freeze but unbeknownst to all of them is there is an a narcotics detective who has been observing these drug dealers for a bit and have, has observed this incident so he follows upstairs and um actually starts to interrogate Tom Selleck and implies a lot and I that interrogation mm. I didn't fully get the subtleties of it like he makes a lot of really clever remarks that don't sound threatening but very much are I'm paying attention right I know I, what's I know happening those are drug dealers I know heroin is involved I know something's up with this baby like and so right. a lot of how he phrases things is quite clever because they sound friendly but on a deeper level, you know he's letting them know a lot of information and a lot about the fact that he's watching them and to be careful. And he because wants this to is also edge. He this is also to... a conversation where he's he's got a picture of um the friend of Jack's and he's yes, like, Do you know this guy? He's like, Oh, not too well. Like you yeah, know, he's, that a, he's, he's a friend of Jack's, yeah, yeah. Like all Yeah, so you know that he's digging, but again, like you said, in like a, a friendlier way. But Tom Selleck knows Tom Selleck knows what's being said. And and Steve Gutenberg do figure this out, right? Like they understand they're being 
well, they're being interrogated in this so way. What what I also think needs to be, they did not know that in this package, because it's wrapped up, like the actual package, not the baby package, the actual yeah, yeah. Ra- package, they don't know it actually contains heroin yet. They just know that it's in this package until Tom Selleck's like, shoot, takes the package with him, goes downstairs to swap out the baby. And while running through the lobby, trips on the carpet in the lobby, mm. cracks the package open and heroin packets spill out. And he's like, oh my God. And then like jams them back in, sticks it back into the package and in, in his pocket and goes out there. And then there's a cop on a horse. So with, while all this is happening, Tom Selleck is stressed because now he knows he's holding heroin while he's got this baby that he can't yep. explain. There's a police officer totally. and he's, he's like, let, he goes to like, be like, let me give you my ID or whatever. And he can't. Cause as soon as he puts a hand in his pocket, he's like, I don't have any. Cause it's, because his he ID wasn't is planning, in the same pocket yeah, with his heroin. Well, and he also wasn't intending. He doesn't have to, it on any. To, he wasn't intending to go downstairs. He ran to get the baby. Right. So there's so there's so many factors in this scene. And as a kid, I missed the novelties, but I also found, I did, however, pick up that they were threatened by this detective. They felt right. threatened. So as a kid, I didn't like him. I'm right. like, he sounds friendly, but he's not. So I actually put him almost on par with the drug dealers as an untrustworthy right. person. I did not get that he was just doing his job and had every reason to be suspicious totally. of Tom right. Selleck and Steve Gutenberg and Ted Dancing. Every possible reason he should be interrogating them. But as a kid, I just knew that they felt threatened. They knew they could get in trouble. They'd already dealt with the other bad guys. And so I didn't trust the detective. So that was also just really interesting about it. Um, I did, I actually did get the fact that all the girls who are in the montage at the start are sleeping with them. Somehow I knew that. I knew Mm. that they were, it was a revolving door of them sleeping around. Um, Mm. And you just saw different women after different women after different women. And I kind of just accepted it. I was like, yeah, of course. (laughs) This is how they live. Why wouldn't there be many beautiful women coming in out of this um, beautiful penthouse? As an adult, I'm questioning how they met so many supermodels <laughs> and how many well, how they issued so many invitations to them for a birthday <clears throat> party because they seem like they don't recognize a lot of like they recognize some of the women, but they talk about them in a way that makes it seem like half the women who are at the party are women they've never met before. So I'm like, right. how did these women? <laughs> As an adult, I'm like, how did these women know about the party? Well, so, yeah, like, so, how did you get all these randos in your apartment? Exactly. If they're such a surprise to you, who brought them? Right. Uh, and many questions. But I would say, overall, this was a plot I got pretty much everything, again, except for a lot of the innuendo. There's this other great line from um, Tom Selleck when they first get the baby. And I think he says, it's like, it's like, I see he's taking his procreation business yep. a little lightly i'd say he's taking it because they because they're like he referred to it as a package he's like a package he called a baby a package and he's like yeah i think he's taking his procreation business a little lightly and they talk about how they knew this would happen to jack sooner rather than later like there was just bound to happen and the implication that he is sleeping around so much and isn't careful mm. and so like a love child was almost an inevitability and so again as a kid I didn't pick up on that. As an adult watching it, I'm like, that's not good either. <laughs> I'm just like, whoa, 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 slow down, Ted Danson. The um, so so that I would say, but the the basic plot, the way that these men behave, the fact that the baby alters them so much that they do grow up, 
that they do come to care for her, that they do have to stop bad drug men, and they do it in a very simple and effective way. I actually really appreciate how fast the drug deal angle is wrapped up. Yeah. But it doesn't feel rushed. It doesn't feel added on. It does fit into the film. Um, But as a kid, I I did. I would say it's just a couple of little things I didn't quite get to the same extent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anything else you want to add to that category before me shift gears a bit well i will i not i'm just going to make a note about um as a kid i kind of just accepted sylvia at the end and as an Mm. adult i feel like that's a bigger discussion to have as we (laughs) as we move into the rest of it but that was something that i'm like just a note for for future questions Mm. that i think would be an interesting topic but what you said about the drug deal, that's interesting because Robert, Roger Ebert also said that when I was reading his review of it. He actually really liked it. He gave it three stars. Like, people love this movie. But he was saying, he was like, the the drug deal plot, he actually is like, I actually wish it wasn't in there. He's Fair like, enough. it's the, the plot of the three men navigating the relationship with this new baby is enough. Like this is actually what, funny enough. It carries yeah, the movie. You don't matters. need this subplot. Yeah. Like it's kind of an aside. And so he was, he was just kind of like, it was a throw in, like you could have gotten rid of it and flushed out the rest of it. And it would have been like, oh, enough. Probably. And like I was like, yeah, to I me, agree. The, the drug deal angle is very eighties. Like it feels like something that's like, right. let's just toss in. Well, I feel like there's a lot of drugs in the 80s. And a lot of drugs in the 80s. This is something people can relate to. So why not? So, so yeah, so that, that fair. And I think if you did cut it out, for the most part, you actually wouldn't lose too much of what the heart of it is. You would just want more character development. Yeah. Um, For sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, moving on. Why don't we go with the question, is it offensive, Pauline? Okay. So I already mentioned the one where he's like, She's like, why are you asking me all this? And he's like, because you're a woman. And she's like, yeah, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean I know anything about babies. And so I have to say that that scene, what I will give a general, for a movie about three very handsome bachelors wooing women mm. um, pre-baby, I was happily surprised with how little offensive material was in this, mm. given what my expectations were. I was prepped I even on my piece of paper when I was writing I had a much bigger section of paper ready to write (laughs) things on and I didn't actually need as much of it like it's more that it's like they're womanizers like but they're not actually like it's not like they're talking about all the ass they're getting do you know what I mean like they're not they're not sitting there being gross dudes a ton because the baby comes in and infiltrates it very quickly you you don't have a ton of these conversations like i know the two guys are teasing steve gutenberg uh because uh at the party he brings a woman back to his room and nothing ends up happening because she's crying about her ex and she wants to invite him to the party and And he ends up being okay he's like sure Yeah. yeah and he's not a dick he's not actually a jerk about it but after the party's over ted danson and uh and um tom selleck tom selleck's thank you tom selleck's characters are just kind of like given like why is it you turn into the support of big brother every time you get a woman back in your room and he's like hey i'm I'm a sensitive guy whatever blah 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 blah. (laughs) so like it's not even like those discussions like one of the things i did note that i wrote down that i thought was like it was more in like i didn't get this as a kid was ted danson comes out into the kitchen to get something to drink for the lady and him in the room and it's like what should i what should i get and they're like I think Tom, Tom Selleck, Selleck is like, responds. He's yeah. like, 
he's like the burgundy on the left or bordeaux on the left like they have a wine and he's like works every time and he's like thank you and pulls this wine into wine glasses and it's like so they've got a wine for seducing yep, women yep. so i'm like well that's and not the other the other line in that scene that for me was worse was when ted danson just very casually is like what's going on and they explain that because steve gutenberg and um tom Selleck, neither of them are about to go back to their rooms with a woman it's just ted danson steve gutenberg having solved the girl's problem about her ex and tom Selleck because Rebecca chose to go home mm. rather than spend yes. the night. And so they're kind of commiserating. And Ted Danson's like, what's going on? Why the long faces? And they explain. And he's like, why don't I, you know, I'm about to leave for a shoot for 10 weeks. Why don't I ditch? And I forget her name, but there's no point anyways of remembering her name. Right. He clearly doesn't matter. And he's like, why don't I ditch so-and-so? And you and I, we all just hang around and uh, shoot pool. As if it's so easy to just go back into the room and be like, on second thought. Right. Get out. I'm not in the mood. I'm not so in the mood. We're gonna end this. We're gonna end this and like just mm. just the casual way he tosses that out. I remember yeah, yeah, I yeah. was watching and I'm like, ah, that's not good. It's a very easy to toss away a woman way Mentality. that he has. And he yeah. again, Ted Danson, I would say of the three characters, he's the least mature. He's the most of womanizing of the characters. Yep. And he also is very immature in the sense that when so as Pauline stated, he's away for the initial time that Tom Selleck and Steve Gutenberg spend with Mary, the little baby. And he's in Turkey, actually, doing a shoot there. And his part gets cut. He comes home early. And then he has revenge, rightly deserved. Tom Selleck and Steve Gutenberg leave him alone with the baby and don't explain how to turn, put on a diaper. Don't explain what to do because they want him to suffer the way that they have suffered in their minds. And Ted Danson's response is the next day to phone his mother. Oh, I know. Yes. Have her come. And yeah. it's like over complimentary. And she, what yeah. I appreciate so much, I actually really like his mom because she has these little digs under her breath when he's like, come on, mom. Oh, she loves you. Look at the way she's connecting. And she just quietly goes, don't ruin this for me, Jack. And she's smiling <laughs> and holding the baby. And then he keeps going. And finally, she's like, cut the crap. What do you want? And he looks at her and he says, I can't take care of her. I want you. And his mother is quite old. So the fact that his brain is, I can't handle this. I'll get my older mother to right. look after a newborn. And what I love is that her response is, I'm going to do the most wonderful thing for you. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. And again, it's why I appreciate it as an adult. I like her and I like Rebecca for mm -hmm. being two women who these men attempt to foist the baby on just because they're women yeah. and they are men and they shouldn't have to deal with it. And both times they are rebuffed yeah. promptly and yeah. efficiently mm -hmm. and they're left on their own and utterly should be. And so totally. those moments where they are basically man children attempting to get out of the situation and not wanting to have to cope with it. What I appreciate though, is even though they do behave that way, mm -hmm. they do have to stick it out through the movie and they do come to love this baby quite a bit but i would right. say just those little moments where initially how they think of women and initially how especially ted danson treats women it is a bit it's it's not great but it is brief it's why they do the montage at the beginning i think it's so they can establish well, their womanizers yeah. not have to have a lot of conversations about it you already know and you yep. just slip into and i actually think that's the best thing they could have done good job Zimoy good call because it has aged better than it than a movie at that time would have if they'd chosen mm. to have a to 
to teach you that they're womanizers or that they're batch swing and bachelors through dialogue. Yeah. And that's actually a really good point. And I think that that's something like that's, that's a really true statement is that the movie wouldn't hold up nearly as well if you had to listen to more of that dialogue. And what I will say is, is I do kind of think that attitude, that laissez-faire way that Ted Danson had with him about women, it did make him, in my opinion, watching it as an adult even, but as a kid even, as an adult, I was like, oh, he's the least likable of the three guys anyway. Like he's, and like, I almost think that it's, it's done on purpose. Like it's, and it's done because then by the end of it, they all love her so much. Like it's kind of, it's that idea that they're not, they're not great right now, but then by the end of the movie, that's a larger character mm-hmm. arc for all three of them. Oh, they, totally. they can't all be perfectly stand-up guys from the start and then and know how to master putting on a diaper. I mean, that whole scene would suck and the movie wouldn't you know, right. So there is that true. element of but the but it's true. Those mm-hmm. lines, that line that Ted Danson says, that's a really good point. That line of being like, What if I ditch so and so? It's like, yeah, that actually isn't a necessary bit of dialogue. And it no, could have just been skipped. It didn't have to be there. Yeah. And- I think the downside, though, with Jack's character, what I would argue is he doesn't actually have his arc is less believable. Again, well, again, because they do a montage again when after they've after they fix the drug deal situation and they've got the dealers arrested by the police and they're in the clear. They do have this wonderful montage of showing all of them growing to love Mary. And I think the difference, though, is that Jack had less time on screen. Yeah interacting yep. with her in a loving way whereas tom Selleck and steve gutenberg from the get-go have become tom Selleck especially have become very attached to her and it has shown gra- like how that shift has happened whereas you don't quite get that same no shift agreed so i think unfortunately while he does make probably the biggest change i found it a little bit less believable because of how fast it happened totally like it's almost like like it's like a switch it's like a switch gets flipped because they need this to happen and it's not necessarily like i i still enjoy it get it yeah but i would say for sure the bigger arc goes to tom Selleck and to steve gutenberg in terms of for sure well and i would say that they almost have to rely on like okay so this happened with tom Selleck and steve gutenberg's characters therefore you guys all just need to get on board with the fact that this happened with ted danson's character totally totally moving on right we aren't gonna we don't have the same scenes we already watched well and they yeah like they can't you can't like what you were gonna show him putting on a diaper poorly again like it's uh, the humor would would be lost like it would Mm. drag on but again that might be the point where to roger Roger Ebert's point where he's like you could have ditched the drug scene totally and then you probably would have been able to have a bit more time with um, Ted Dance and Jack um, develop this lovely rapport with his own daughter because the thing is it's his daughter yeah uh, biologically speaking but I would say in in terms of who yeah of who makes the biggest connection it's Tom Selleck oh of course but obviously Tom Selleck's supposed to be the he's the one that you yeah yeah. that you love the most he's the center he's the center of the movie poster <laughs> like it's Rightly him and so. actually it was funny Rightly i so. even actually um in the um the finale when it's like they've added the mural to include mary and sylvia in it he's the center and it's yes, like he he's the biggest and the center and it's like he's not the dad what's happening here but like you get it because it's tom Selleck. but it's like well, i would say in real life we because... go with the dad but and also, I would say he's more of a parent to Mary anyway. So even though biologically speaking, Ted Danson is her parent, 
in yeah. terms of emotional support and love, Tom Selleck is the well, actual dad. That we've seen. That we've and seen. that's kind of the that problem, right? Like, yeah, so I totally. know, and I get why they did it as a movie, because obviously everyone also just wants to see Tom Selleck on there. Like, all, uh, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, there's, the like this makes sense. So, I no, I totally get it, and I totally agree. I just think it's mm-hmm. one of those things where it's like, there. it would be interesting if this movie didn't have that drug plot. Totally. And you could have seen more of that development. It would have, I actually think, been better. Like, you lose some of that. It would have been a stronger film. Could have been. Totally. Could have well, been. could have. Could have had yeah. that potential. Who, who, who can say? Who's to know for sure? Especially since we know now that Leonard Nimoy can't redirect a remake. Oh, because now, now you've just passed really away. Sad. Well, sorry, Lisa, you that's know, life. Your, one of your favorite <laughs> people is dead. I'm just reminding okay. you. <laughs> I also need you to know, like, you know, Yul Brenner's dead too, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, stop. Let's just end this conversation before okay. Lisa starts crying on a podcast. Well, that'd be uh, weird. In her so, closet. <laughs> as opposed to in her closet, yes. So uh, when it comes to the question of is it offensive, I there's obviously these, these points that in any totally, movie about bachelors, totally. you're going to have this sexism. But I have to say... It's briefer than it's I thought it would so be. Minimal and I, for the and length I think, of the film. And I think it's because if you had more of it, they wouldn't be as likable. Totally. Like to your point, the montage at the beginning makes so much more sense. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so uh, there's a few lines here and there, but generally speaking, and to your point, both Rebecca and uh, Jack's mom are like, absolutely not. I'm not taking care of this baby. This is your guys' shit. You guys deal with this. And I, it's totally. something that can be said in a, this movie in the 80s where these two women are at least very strong female characters who can be like, nope, we're not doing this. No, we're, so. we're done with this. We're done. And, yeah. and for all that it's like the stereotype of men not looking after kids, I would say in that case, I didn't find it to be like super negative. Actually, the point no. is by looking after a baby, they're better people. They're, totally they are stronger individuals they're better men yep. all around and so i don't if you're thinking of like the flip side it's actually it, i don't see any issues really there in the sense that it's it's actually more supportive of them being dads totally well because these are three men who literally have never had to put on a diaper before they've never had to go to the store and totally. buy baby so, food so they why aren't would they necessarily no know they they really 100%. They really wouldn't, and they really wouldn't know how old the baby is. Like, unless one of them's like, let's take her to a pediatrician as we speak and have to answer a lot of hard questions. But then it would just, you know, stop being a comedy in that sense. Right. And so you get the, the joy of, of um, Tom Selleck having to figure out the diaper size and the food. Oh, man. Okay. So good. Okay. So I think that's all. <clears throat> yeah, I'm with you. The yep. offensive list is quite small. Um, so let's move on to, well, talking of strong women. Does this film, for all of those strong women are in there, is it a Bechdel test? Does it pass it? It doesn't. So for anyone who doesn't know what the Bechdel test is, the Bechdel test is you have to have um, two named female characters. That's the first one. Mm -hmm. Who talk to each other. Mm -hmm. That's the second one. And the third criteria is about something other than a man. And this Mm -hmm. movie does not have any two women interacting together except for um, two women that are on a date with Peter and Michael. Yes. But the only conversation they have together is, are they always this strange? And the other one's like, yes. And then they turn and they walk away. And it's because the guys have just ditched them at the theater because they're really worried about leaving Jack and the baby home alone together that they have scrapped the date and have run off to go save Mary. 
So the women actually never have a conversation about anything other than the men that they're dating. No. I will say the nice thing is they are all named. Any any yes. woman character who does speak, and even a few that don't, are given are given names. So I'm like, props, guys. That's actually wow. a very big step forward in 1907. Right? It's so Man, sad. The bar um, is so low. The bar is so low. But I will say, yeah, that the I would say Rebecca is such an interesting character because I do find watching it now that she is a very strong wonderful character well and she's not asking tom Selleck for more no. like she's like that's what i fucking love about it was that she's just like we're not seeing each other exclusively i can go on this date with this cellist you can't make me watch this baby totally and, and like, if she's... our situations were reversed there's no way no way you would ditch your date to help me with a baby totally so why would i do the same thing especially when this has nothing to do with me and everything right. to do with just you and your roommates so totally. and and it's not like she wouldn't potentially like the other thing is too. not that this is implied or anything, but had he asked her when she's not on a date and when she just happened to be free, maybe the conversation would have gone a bit different. But the fact that he totally. pulls her out as if it's an emergency just to be like, I don't understand this parenting book talking about when to feed the baby, stay and help me figure it out and look after her on my behalf. Yeah, no, go, totally. go someplace else. Yeah. So um, that's a very nice thing about the, the, the women in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I mm -hmm. would say for sure. Okay, so um well Okay, but what see. about Sylvia? I was about to say Sylvia, we need to talk about Sylvia. So Sylvia is an interesting one because Sylvia is Mary's biological mother. She basically just leaves Mary in an actual baby basket. I'm like, did they make those? Um with a note. Right. A note from Sylvia just saying, I can't handle this anymore. Here is our baby. I don't know what else to do. And basically that's it. Like she's now yours and then at the end of the film she makes an appearance where she's come back she has missed her baby too much she wants mary back and she's not only going to take her child back but she is actually from the uk and in order to be able to work and look after mary properly she thinks she needs to go back to the uk and be with her parents who can help her out and so she's basically just taking mary and she's going back to london and that's it. And Ted Danson just let, is like letting it happen. And the other two don't want to say anything because, of course, they're not the actual parents to Mary. So it's, they're relying on Ted Danson to say something. And he doesn't for the longest time until the, the finale at the end of the movie. Um, and then what's interesting, so very big spoilers, of course, everyone. So they actually go chasing. Eventually, Ted Danson clues in that he misses Mary. He loves Mary. He's he, like, maybe they can catch it. So they have this cab ride to chase through the airport, get to the plane on time. And the plane has left. And they come home. And Sylvia is sitting in front of the door in tears, holding Mary, going, I didn't want to make another mistake because I feel like all I'm doing is making mistakes. And getting on that plane felt like a mistake to take her away from you all. And I don't want to leave the city because this is where I like to try acting. And that's basically her character. Mm -hmm. And when she is there saying she wants to be able to work and act and look after Mary, she's wanting them to basically be babysitters. And it's Tom Selleck who says, I don't want to just see Mary once in a while. We should all live in the same place so that we all can look after Mary and can all spend so much time with her because we all deserve to have a relationship with her. 
And that is very interesting too. Well, that is, so for anyone who doesn't know, there is a sequel to this movie. Mm -hmm. It's from 1990 and it's called Three Men and the Little Lady. And it's the continuation of this lovely little story. And they all live together in the same apartment. And Mary's now five, even though mathematically with the years that the movies were made, that doesn't (laughs) add up, but she is just accept it. And um, we might end up reviewing this one. So let's not go too much. No, I'm not. No, 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 I'm not. But it's just, it's a continuation of the story. But what's interesting is they're continuing to live together. So it's actually the start of this like very mm-hmm. interesting especially and for the 80s such an interesting family dynamic which is why i do want parenting i do want to at some point i do want us to watch it because i don't remember that movie nearly as well as no. the original and i'd be yeah. curious how that dynamic is explored but you're right it's a very right. unique perspective even just ending this movie the way that it does with totally living with these three bachelors one of whom is the biological father and the other two are his roommates and they're all going to be a uh, work together to be a family for Mary is such an interesting dynamic to end. And they on. do it. Totally. And they do it and it ends and it's this happy story and it's great. And all of them are like her, her parents and their relationship. And that's, and then it's, that's it. And then the amazing song starts to play the minute I saw you by John Parr. And, and it's this yep. sweet and movie's wonderful over. little, yeah. and it's great. Um, so how do you I feel have... about Sylvia Pauline? I feel better about Sylvia when she comes back from the plane. Mm. I, you can't fault her for wanting to leave and go with her family where she's got more support, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I understand that. But when she comes back from the plane, they, she explains more. She's like, I'm tired. All these hours, I've got this. And then there's the sitter. And then I can't afford it. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, I'm just working to pay. And she's having a meltdown. A complete and I really, nutter meltdown. Like, yes. just uh, losing it. Just sobbing. And, and, and all three of the guys are great because they're like, we know how hard it is. There's three of us. Yeah. We could barely do we it. We could barely like, do it when there's all of us. And, oh, taking her to the park is a bitch. And having yeah. enough time to midnight feedings are the worst. Yeah, they're very com- totally. they're commiserating in the best way. So yeah. sweet. My issue, I guess, and it's not even a huge issue. I just, one, who is this chick just leaving the baby on the doorstep mm. with a note? Like, not even having a conversation. Totally. Not like, knocking on the door and being like, here like, is your I'm child. I'm in trouble. Yeah. yeah. I'm losing my shit. Yeah. Like, so that one, I have, I'm just like, oh, that's just kind of lazy writing there. Mm. And then when she comes back into the movie, how no one asks her about it like how there's just they're just very accepting of her coming and being like i'm gonna take my baby back now and they're like i guess this is how this is gonna work i guess so darn we just got super attached to her mm. (laughs) oh nuts i would really like we bought all these baby clothes here let me give you all this formula we totally totally so like i like the more i talk about it like by the end of the movie like i i just I guess it's not so much an issue with Sylvia's character so much as the writing totally where I feel like there were just real conversations that and again ba- I'm bringing it back to Roger yep. Ebert again I didn't think I'd reference him so much but he's yeah, he, he knew what he was talking about plot, with this movie right if the drug plot just wasn't in there and they could have had the, just like and not even long scenes right they don't even no, need to be just, epic conversations but just, but just genuine actual what what adults would actually do would yeah, have like that or want to have these conversations or have questions and yeah and even if, yeah you're right even if they were just discussion moments of discussion dialogue yeah to build comments, this up like totally yeah totally it's like a something that is actual opportunity, like opportunity unfortunately 
Yeah. So, but again, this movie, I would say, this sounds funny to say it, but like, as we talk about it, right, this idea of like this co-parenting, multi-father household family situation is like, that's a crazy idea in the 80s. Like that's, that's even hard to wrap some people's head around now. And so this, the idea of having like, you know, more than one father and whatever that looks like. And so there's this. And just none really of them amazing... actually being in a relationship with each other. That's the other thing. Like, it's not like Sylvia and, and Jack get back together. It's not totally that, like in this movie, it's simply implied that they are all a parent and none of them are going to be together. Right. And right. so that yeah. adds There's another no extra element romantic. to what their relationship and how unique yeah. this family dynamic really totally. is going to be. Yeah, exactly. So it's great. So it's really great. It's just, so I guess, I, yeah, I guess I should take it back. It's not Sylvia I have the issue with. It's the writing around Sylvia's character totally. and, the, and the interactions that they all have together. Mm-hmm. And that, but it's, it's still good. It ends it's, well. It's still it ends worth, on a good note. Totally. These, these are, I mean, it would have been so great to see that. But at the same time, it's not like as a result of them not doing it, this movie isn't as fun to watch. Like, it's still a joy. It's just, right. it's, it's hard not to think of how much better it could have been as well if they had yeah. done it that way, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else you want to add for this category, this discussion? Nope. I don't, I don't want to push us past nope. anything. Um, well, we're at 72 minutes, so, <laughs> so let's, we can... Let's but uh, but that's our conversation, too, at the beginning about your day, so, so we've got... So, we're, so anyways, so we're, we're on track. We're on this one. All yeah. right. So, All right. That leaves us with, um, are there any favorite quotes, Pauline? Well, I already that, told Lisa, yeah. um, we're not allowed to say all of our favorite quotes because totally. I think it would not only give you literally every scene of this movie, but it would make this podcast episode like two hours like two long. hours long so we just because then we're just gonna get so we yeah. just i think we just gotta snatch we just our gotta favorites snap them and we'll go one at a time and if someone if okay. one of us says the other one's favorite that's fine we okay just keep moving okay yeah all right so Pauline, there's go a few first. okay so there's a few from like childhood and then a few actually that i really loved as an adult sure. that i don't think i really like caught yeah so the i've already referenced the changing diaper scene mm-hmm there is this moment where Peter has come back with diapers and they're trying to put them on Mary and they're way too big. Yes. So, so Michael's like, Whoa, these diapers, they're way too big for her. And they're like the size of her body. Yeah. And Tom Selleck angrily is like, they're ultra absorbent. <laughs> the more absorbent, the better. If you ask me. And then he like rips it and there's this tape, yeah. but it's that line where he just like turns to him. Cause in the scene where he's in the grocery store, <laughs> he's so frazzled. There's a this whole aisle of baby food, and it's brilliantly directed because he just looks down the aisle, and he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> and so Michael has no idea how, how stressed out the time Tom Selleck Peter had. just had. Yeah, yeah. So he's just like, whoa, these diapers are way too big for her. They're ultra absorbent. More absorbent, the better, if you ask me. And he's, got, yeah, so he's got a short fuse oh. on that one. <laughs> It's funny. That one was definitely one I had listed okay. as well. I'm glad you said it. The other one, I would say, again, the grocery store, my favorite line, there's so many good lines because while he's looking and trying to figure out what formula, what food, what diaper, what should he possibly buy for this baby? There is a woman who's working in that aisle. And so he kind of is asking her some questions and she's very sweet, you know, like, oh, you know, babies are so hard and like, it's trying to commiserate with them. And it becomes increasingly apparent just how little he knows. 
And so in order to help him, she's like, well, well, how old is your baby? And his response is, well, she's about this big. And he like holds his hands out. No, he's like, he's, he's like, like, she's about that she's old. She's about that old. And he holds her his hands out. And she's like, you don't know how old your baby is? <laughs> and he's like, I do, I do. But he can't possibly know. And he doesn't have an age to tell her. So he's simply standing there like a fool holding his hands out as if he's describing the size of a fish he just caught. And it's amazing. And I well, love that. And then that. she's like, well, well, is she teething? And he's like, I... Like he teething. teething. I like don't know what that means. He doesn't know what teething is. Yeah, like he's uh, so lost. And so I just love the how old is your baby? Yeah. She's about this old, raising his own. You know how old your baby is? Like legitimate questions uh, to be asking. But yeah, I love that whole scene. But that's my favorite. That whole that interaction is yeah. so good. That whole interaction in this store is so it is funny. So it's fantastic. So it's so fantastic. Okay, what's your next um, one? So the next one is uh they keep calling Pooh doodles yes. in this movie they For just does, i think she did a doodle so it's another one with peter and michael and i think yep. it's safe to say that they are just my favorite characters but oh, michael michael's holding mary and he's like they both have meetings they both have lives they've got to go to so he's just like oh i think she did a doodle your turn your turn to change her and he's like i'll give you a thousand dollars if you do it <laughs> and he's so genuine like he's so Tom serious delivery he's so, so good like he just looks at him and it's just it's funny because he means it because he's genuinely like <laughs> he, he wants I to give him the thousand dollars <laughs> it's so good okay My, next one Your on, turn. on those notes um so when jack does eventually return because his his part gets cut which to which steve Cooperberg goes good um <laughs> he returns home early and he doesn't understand that there's a baby and all these other things and they're explaining to him where this baby has come from and that it's a, a note from a Sylvia. And, and Jack's response is like, oh, I met her, I met her taming of the shrew. She was the shrew. I did some of my best work in that. And Steve Gutenberg's response is, Jack, you're such a jerk. You're always thinking about yourself. I want to kill you. And Tom Selleck, without missing a beat, goes, Michael, we won't have to. And they leave Jack with the <laughs> And that delivery of Jack being so self-absorbed and Michael just staring at him. You're such an asshole. You only think about yourself. I just, I love the boom, boom, boom oh. of those lines. That yeah. one after the other after the other. It's such a great moment. Michael, it's so we won't funny. have to. Like, and it's, it's true. It's so good. They just leave him alone with Mary and it's glorious. <laughs> So that that is one of my favorites too. It's and that I think is the perfect example of like how the three of them together this yes. like boom 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 comic delivery is it's so, so good. good. In that same that same scene, mm. so there was just back up just a moment. So Jack comes back in the middle of the night. It's dark. They don't know who's oh, yeah. coming in. They've just finished dealing with a threat from like heroin yes, drug, dealers. drug dealers. The place is a mess because they've broken in and wrecked a bunch of shit. So the guys are on edge. And so Jack comes in not knowing any of this. The house is dark. He goes in, he's tiptoeing, he trips because the house is a mess and falls. And then the guys just tackle him. So <laughs> yeah. Peter's out there first and he just tackles him. He starts fighting him. And Jack's response, he covers his face with his hands and he says, not the face, not the face. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so great. And what adds oh. to that scene too is that after they're hitting him and, he re and they recognize him, he's like, Michael, it's Jack. Michael then proceeds to want to continue <laughs> to fight him. <laughs> Knowing 
it's Jack makes him want to hit him again. Which is so like, Jack! Jack. And he just like jumps <laughs> in like, to what fight. What you two? Like it's, it's such a, that whole like, scene is glorious for how my they heart all got cut. Oh, okay. good, good. <laughs> What's with him? <laughs> and so it's funny. it is it is a glorious it's a glorious scene. All it's right. so funny. Okay, all right, you go. Yeah, and then one more each. Okay, one more each. Oh, okay. oh picking. Okay, so okay. um, one of my one of my other favorite ones is um when they're changing the baby they've got the big diaper and it falls off and she Mm. starts peeing as soon as the diaper has fallen off and tom Selleck is holding her in the air because he's proud that he got the diaper on and it falls off and he looks at her she starts peeing and he just very quietly goes the little insect was just waiting for that diaper to fall off (laughs) and that line gets me every time it was one of my favorites mm. as a kid i would giggle and giggle and re-watching it i started again i giggled like a child when that scene <laughs> happened and that line was delivered i actually had to pause the movie because i was <laughs> giggling so much so i have to mm. say that one just because it was such an important one when i was a kid it was good all it right. was very good all right your your last one okay. on our last ones this is yours yeah okay okay so this is my last one so my last one it's one where so tom Selleck is back in the apartment after taking Mary back from the drug dealers and the detective has come up and he wants a glass of water. Yes, I have this one. And so Tom Selleck is talking to Mary and he's like, gotta get him that glass of water so his mouth doesn't go dry when he reads me my rights. (laughs) (laughs) And I had to like pause the movie because I thought it was so funny and I didn't catch it obviously as a kid, but it was like, it was just such good delivery. It was so good. He, sa- anyway, he that sounds was... so tired. And he sounds so he's like right. Out. He's trying to get this detective out of the house so that he can hide this heroin that he didn't even know existed oh until like God. a half hour ago. And he's like, "What's happening to my life?" Okay, your la- your last one. The it's, finale. All right, that, that actually was going to be the one I was going to do as my finale. So instead, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to describe this one moment, and it's when so. Peter has gone to the grocery store to buy food. We've established this. So it means Michael is all by himself with this crying baby. And he is trying everything that his limited knowledge can provide with him for how to make her stop crying. And he's tried so many things. And finally, he gives up. He goes to his room. He says, let's just watch some TV. bed. <laughs> turns on the TV, goes, there you go, Junior. Enjoy yourself. And lays back. And what he has turned on it's Dr. Ruth, who's in the middle of going, women are wondering, have I had an orgasm? While men are wondering, maybe their penis. And, and Steve Gutenberg suddenly realizes what he's turned on, sits up and goes, oh no, that's enough of that, and clicks it off. And I just love that because as a kid, I found it funny. As soon as I knew it was inappropriate because she says the word penis. So as a kid, I was like, I don't know what he turned on, but hilarious. (laughs) But I loved how fast, I loved how fast he sat up realizing the mistake was, oh, okay. And he like turns it off so fast. And it's such a great little moment of his attempt at handling the situation. And And she stopped crying. Sadly she does. she stopped crying. Because she hears a woman's voice. So for her, she hears a woman's voice and that's familiar. She clearly is not familiar with a lot of men. So it's actually soothing. And I kind of, it's a so part funny. of me as an adult, I'm like, 
Just let it keep Leave training, it on. Man. Oh my gosh. Just I thought it, the same thing. Just I'm let like, it go. She's, she's a baby. She's a baby. She's retaining. She's... No. Well, she doesn't know these words. And there's that, in that same moment, he, as she's got a screaming baby, the building manager comes upstairs to deliver the oh, anonymous yeah. package. And she's like, I love babies. And she's holding them. And as an adult, he makes the worst mistake. He takes the baby back and sends her away when she has just baby whispered her and she's quiet. And I'm like, why would you get rid of the one woman who's coming to your apartment and wants to help you? I know. I thought the same thing. (laughs) I was like, mistake, mistake. (laughs) Rookie. Michael, you fool. You're such a fool. That baby's going to keep screaming. And she wants to hold the baby. Totally. She wants to be there for everything that is happening. Anyway, yeah, so so those are them. We could again we could go on. We could go so much. We're okay. not going we to. Want. We're gonna we're gonna limit we ourselves. But that is basically three men and a baby. It is a uh, I would say for our final question answers, Pauline. Yeah. Do you still love this movie? And if so, would you recommend this movie? I do still love this movie and I would recommend mm-hmm. it. I have to say I was like I said earlier, I was pleasantly surprised at how little sexism there is, mm. which is a big win, I think, in any 80s movie. Oh, hands And on. then yeah. with all the humor and mm. the stories sweet, and I do think it is overall very well written. Like, I would say it's a really good movie. Oh, hence, there's a reason this did so well at the box office. The humor, the comedic timing, the chemistry among the leads. It is so mm. worth a watch. And it is a joy oh. to watch the 80s fashion, too. We barely touched on this, but there is an oh my amazing gosh. 80s fashion. Could you do an entire podcast on 80s, just fashion the 80s fashion in here. movies? But so if nothing else, it's like it's funny, it's clever, it's a fast watch, and it's a time capsule of the period, too. And so I, I agree with you. I loved rewatching it. Mm-hmm. And I would definitely recommend it if you have yeah. never seen it or if it's been a long time give it a watch it's oh my gosh i doubt you'll be disappointed you won't be it's so funny if you did watch it maybe reach out to us yes let us know what you thought how you felt if you had any like you know one-liners that you liked because we could talk in movie quotes like our entire lives nonstop. we're we're on twitter we're on instagram if you yes if you want to please we would love to hear from you all whoever is listening oh man uh, even you know, whatever you want to say, throw it our way because it would it would just be great. Oh, and because we love hearing, like we've got stories and memories about these movies, and so we want to mm-hmm. hear your stories, your memories about these movies because or things you didn't get, like things when you're watching oh, yes. these movies. If you and have you any them and you're weird like, oh, man. ones from when you're a kid, if you have any didn't weird moments, it. please tell us because that just Let would us make know. us so happy. So happy to hear. Totally. Okay. Amazing. Mm-hmm. That's it. Well, okay. thank you all for joining us yet again. We look forward to you joining us in the next episode. Hope you guys all have a wonderful rest of your day. 